Today, we're diving deeper into understanding brain function than we have so far this season of the show. We're gonna look at what is going on so we can really understand what states are best for shooting low scores with someone who's done some incredible research on the brain specific to the field of golf. What we really came up with is that it didn't matter if it was gun shooting, archery, golf, uh, breaking a board in karate or whatever, but we saw a similar pattern in the left hemisphere quieting in the seconds just prior to moving. And so whatever that activity happened to be. So that was one of the main findings. And then in golf specifically, I kept seeing this pattern of synchrony. So as that left is quieting in the last second, right before people move, the right may become slightly more active, but what you achieve is balance or synchrony in the brain. And it was the last second of data that was predictive of performance. Predictive of performance. Wouldn't it be nice to figure out how to get in a mental state and in a place that was predictive for good performance? Because I bet you know when a state is not helpful, the swearing, the throwing clubs, that can't be good. So what are we trying to do? Well, you'll just have to listen in and find out later in the show. My name is Debbie Cruz. I'm at Arizona State University. I work with uh, teens in that capacity. I also do research with Mayo Clinic, etc. on uh, the Yips in golf, and I chair the World Scientific Congress of Golf. You're listening to the Golf Science Lab, and in this season of the show, we're talking with psychologists and researchers so that you can better understand what's going on in the brain during golf. Hey, I'm your host, Cordy Walker, and thank you so much for listening. I'm positive that you're going to enjoy this episode with Dr. Debbie Cruz today. Quickly, before we get into it, just want to make sure that you've checked out our Unlocking Performance Virtual Summit. We are gathering together some amazing presenters. We're talking with psychologists and coaches. We're going to talk about the specific concepts that they work with students on, and we're going to make this really practical. If you've enjoyed this season of the podcast, you're not going to want to miss it. We have presentations from folks like Dr. Rick Jensen talking about how he teaches students the concepts of weakest link and maybe everything isn't mental or the Pia Nelson and Lynn Marriott of Vision 54 sharing some of their strategies. This is going to be incredible. Head over to unlockingperformancesummit.com and get your all access pass and join us. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, golfscrimmages.com. We've heard a little bit about the importance of games and good practice, but Golf Scrimmages also has some great tracking features to see how you're stacking up with those around the world. I think the, the, the best part about the leaderboards that we're seeing right now is there are people from Brazil, South Africa, Canada, obviously the United States, just people from all over the world that are uh, enjoying this practice sessions and these games and this interactive website and trying to climb up the leaderboard and see the benefits to the whole premise, which is to practice under pressure, have score involved, and you have to post your score just like it's going to be posted when you're playing a real tournament round. Learn more at golfscrimmages.com. And you know what would be awesome? Tweet a screenshot of your name on the leaderboards as you start to improve your practice habits and work on long-term improvements. Tweet at Golf Science Lab. Let's start with understanding how the brain works and how this research is actually done. We're talking about using an EEG to measure what's going on in the brain. Well, you can get several measures off of it, but it's just electrical potentials underneath that sensor on your head. And we, it can be measured as amplitude, how big that electrical impulse gets, 
we typically use power and many of the studies use power so it's the amount of activity represented in different frequency bands under that one sensor that you're looking at and then you can compare it with the other sensors and the other ones evoked potentials we're not ever understanding exactly what they're thinking they'll have to tell us that piece but we what I think we do is we are understanding a little bit of how they're thinking and the left side of the brain is typically your logical analytical verbal sequential side uh, the right side of the brain is more your intuitive creative imaginative autonomic side sees things in whole and both are extremely valuable for performance it's just that the information is organized and compartmentalized at different phases so that you perform optimally. You've probably heard about the whole left and right side of the brain thing before, but here's how that plays out in the moments before you hit a golf shot. Behind the ball, they may be imaging and seeing that shot, which is going to be more of a right brain activity. At the same time, they're going to be assessing, you know, conditions, etc. And ultimately, then they'll, they'll get finished with their decision making and getting their motor program, etc. in place. And then from there, they walk up and they're still doing important processing things, setting the club, looking to see if the alignment is correct, etc., which all involves both sides of the brain. But eventually, we kind of like that left side to quiet, especially specific areas to quiet so that uh, you, you are going to go more with automatic processing for performance. And so when you have skilled players, they already know the skill and the motor programs already pretty well established. So the subconscious will be initiating that motion. And the conscious, though, is what we're measuring. So in my opinion, it's very important to know where that consciousness is or it's, it's either going to help you or it's going to get in the way of that performance. So what is this state? What is this best state to perform in? Is it higher, lower, left brain, right brain? What are we actually looking for? Oftentimes the activity in the brain can be higher, but if it's very synchronized in that last second before they start their motion, they'll perform well. And when you think about it, athletes, you know, or any weekend players, if they're coming in 18 for their career best round, they're going to have some adrenaline probably and their heart rate's going to be a little elevated and or a lot elevated. And, and uh, that's okay as long as they can still synchronize that activity in their brain. So we're looking for synchronicity in the brain. It means that pretty much the power across the different bands, even if it's high or low, is very similar. So you don't have one area of the brain that's way active and still not, what I would say, done getting ready for the task. It's, it's still over-processing. And so, you know, generally, if adrenaline comes in and activity goes up, that's not necessarily what's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you if it's being used in the wrong way. It makes sense. It makes sense that we'd want to have balance in the brain and it's something that we can understand. But what should we be thinking about and how does this actually look? So in the research, for the most part, when we ask those people who are performing very well, what's that last thing they think about before they start moving, the typical response is either target or feel. And so if they're doing some semblance of the target, that's going to be a right-sided activity. And if they're in feel mode, that's also going to be more of a right-sided activity. So they can use cues to help them. Anything, timing, rhythm, balance, 
feel if they're taking in information instead of trying to micromanage the motion, that's going to help them in terms of getting that synchronized place in the brain. So they can use cues or thoughts to do it. And then um, uh, feel is an ex- excellent one. So the, if they're feeling for something, whether it's be, it's in their motion or timing or rhythm of the whole thing, that's also going to help them get into a more balanced state in the brain. And this is all dependent on the skill level of the player as well. If you look at differences between novice and elite performers, the novice performers generally always have more higher activity because they're using areas of the brain to get ready and they don't know which ones to use and not use, just like what goes on with our muscles and the brain's running the muscles. So we use all these extra muscles and then we refine and we get very efficient. Well, we did an archery study years back, and it showed the same thing over a semester of taking archery classes. And initially, there's diffuse activity across the brain, and by the time they're done with a semester, we we can see hemispheric differentiation. So then the activity is going down because they're efficient. However, if you take a skilled performer and you look at the activity in their brain when they perform better compared to when they don't perform as well, the activity is often higher. And I believe it's higher because they're very focused. They don't have muscular tension, but their brain is very focused. And I was curious to hear the characteristics of people who get into a state of synchronicity more frequently than those that don't, so we could potentially model this and see what we need to do to be in a better state more often. They do, in my opinion, um, think differently. So they, they're always, they're forward thinking people. It's what's in front of me, what's next, what can I do better? Um, they don't do all the comparisons everybody else does. That's kind of, kind of more their personality style, in, in my opinion. Uh, in terms of brain patterns, let me think of some of the best I've tested. You know, that little element of questioning always appears to be missing from those people. They don't question. And and that's a, even a, a very small percentage. If you've got that small percentage of question in there, you know, will this go in or will, will I perform well today or whatever it happens to be, for some reason, that seems to be missing in those people. They, they just perform and they're always moving forward. Have you heard of balanced body, balanced brain before? I hadn't. Another thing I used to do to help them with balancing their brain was put them on a balance board. And, you know, if you balance the body, you'll balance the brain also. It, can, it goes both ways. So that was one condition we used to test with was putting them on a balance board. And then I'd also put them on a bike to get their heart rate up high. And many people perform better when you do that because they have more activity to focus with. Huh. Balanced body equals balanced brain. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, it works pretty nice. The The brain maps indicate that it works pretty well. We did a study on Scientific America Frontier with Alan Alda, and, and that's what we did on the show with him was put him on a, a balance board and a bike. And uh, he actually did the best on the bike because he could relate it to his acting state. And as soon as he got his acting state you know, in his mind, he was sinking a lot of putts. So we've gotten this information now. We know what we're trying to do a little bit, but how do we train all of this and and learn how to take this to the golf course in our own games, in our own minds? That's a good question. After collecting all this data for 30 years, I thought it would really be nice if we could train people. So I went looking for feedback systems that would be able to 
train balance or synchronicity synergy we call it in our app across all the locations that you're looking at however many you're looking at and and there wasn't one that could do it they could only look at like two sites at a time and and sort of put those together but i really wanted to look at all of them at once so we made our own system to do that and in the other thing that we did we patented it but what was important was that we're working in the nonlinear domain. Most feedback programs train in the linear domain, so they, they see, oh, theta is a little high, beta is a little low or whatever, and they, they train you to change those. But we're going to allow you to have your own unique pattern, and, and it is a pattern. It's not levels in the brain, and we're, we're going to train you to always take whatever pattern comes in at this point in time and the skill of creating synergy or synchronicity. So with OptiTrain, that's our training app, it won't matter if your heart rate is 60 or 160, it'll teach you that skill of creating synchrony. The other thing is we're never gonna train you to be like anybody else or like a standard because everybody's brain patterns are so unique. So we allow for individual differentiation in those in those um, training programs as well. And then our other program, OptiBrain, uh, allows you to look at what the activity is in the brain. So you, you, and you can take the data from OptiTrain over to OptiBrain. So if you want to see what's happening with your training, etc., you can just map it and, and find out. And uh, one of the advantages of that one I like is, you know, you can test different thoughts and see what happens in the brain and what happens with performance. Or you could compare your putting to your driving or your best putts with your not so good putts and, and start looking at um, the differences that seem to occur so you, you have an idea of how to perform better all the time. And in the training, like what does that practically look like? Is it some type of uh, games or thought processes? or? Good question. Okay, there's, there's two primary feedback tools. We use the Muse headband, so it's very simple. You simply turn it on and put it on your head it goes across your forehead and behind your ears gives us four sensors and then uh, on your phone there there will be the two apps OptiTrain and OptiBrain. OptiTrain will um, train the state of synergy and it'll do it with either music or it will do it with visual representations or videos that we put in so you if you're going to be performing if you're on the golf course and you're putting or hitting drivers or whatever, you would you want to use the music because you won't be looking at your phone, but you can just turn it on and uh, you can pick your own music, whichever you like, and the volume will change. It'll go from loud to medium to soft. And the only goal you have is to get it to soft right before you take the club back. And it, it doesn't have to stay there, but that's your goal. So you can just slip your phone in your pocket and be listening to the volume of the music while you're while you're practicing or while you're hitting on the course. And then the other one is our videos. So if you were, you know, sitting at home or in the hotel room or whatever, the videos will play at normal speed if you're in your best place. They'll play slow motion if you're in the middle and they won't play at all if you're not doing well. So we've got you turning a light bulb on or bringing a picture into focus, moving a golf ball into the hole. But the idea is that your brain is running all these videos and your brain is running the music. So Dr. Debbie actually has her own tools to help people figure out how to get into a state of synchronicity more frequently. It's called Opti International. You should definitely go check it out at opti, O-P-T-I, international.com. 
gmail.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Debbie Cruz, for joining us. Also, join us in the Golf Science Lab Insider Club. Head over to golfsciencelab.com slash insider to get access to the content first and stay up to date on what we're documenting in golf science. This episode was hosted and written by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker. Thank you to this season's content, Dr. Brett McCabe of themindside.com for his invaluable advice. One of the things we talked about in the last season of the Golf Science Lab is transferring skills. How do we transfer skills from the range to the course? We learned that we need to practice like we play, simulating pressure and going through the same processes. So that's why golf scrimmages is such a good tool. They have great games and specific drills for the skills that you need to improve. So head over to golfscrimmages.com, see what they're up to, sign up, track your progress, and climb the leaderboards. Big thank you to them for sponsoring this season of the Golf Science Lab. This was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions, and we'll see you all next time on the Golf Science Lab.